Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because this is Bruce Pritchard from Something to Wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. You're listening to Mike Sappho, and I don't know why I'm here. I saw you yesterday on Twitter in Times Square. Don't tell me you're one of those Texan Southern guys who just comes and hangs out in Times Square, are you? No, I had okay. my daughter and my wife with me, and, and she had never been to Times Square, so... Where else yeah, did you... Yeah, you want to see some shit? Here. <laughs> then she's ready to go home. After what? Five minutes? Yeah, yeah. Too many people. Did someone find you? Because I know on Twitter you said if, you, if they find you yesterday, they get free tickets to your show with Gramercy. Did they find you? A uh, couple did, but they already had tickets. Okay. So I got out of that one. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and then about three or four came up to me yesterday. Okay. Said, ah, it's no good anymore. They go, no, it's okay. We got tickets. <laughs> so I lucked out on all counts. So besides coming to New York, crossing the street, that long, long walk to come on the Mike Sappho Not only that, had to backtrack. Wait, why, why? Oh, you had to go to the corner. Because I had to go to the corner. You don't want to get ran over. Well, yeah, you people don't allow jaywalking here. (laughs) We're very anti-jaywalking here. Damn. I mean, seriously, I almost broke a sweat. (laughs) Well, intern Will is getting you a Diet Coke, so you're good. Okay, I'm good. So besides the Mike Sappho podcast, what brings you to New York City? Well, God, we've got our live show, uh... Saturday at Gramercy. I'll be there. Really? Did you buy your ticket? Of course I did. I like that. Yeah, of course. Good, because I was going to say, uh, I know where to get them. <laughs> <laughs> if you find Bruce Pritchard walking around Manhattan, he has tickets on him. Nah, not, even, not anymore. <laughs> now you can go to BrucePritchard.com and just get them. So that's that's the beautiful thing about it. Is it crazy that your podcast blew up to this level? Like, you had no idea it was even going to come close to this level, did you? No, not at all. It was, I didn't even know what a podcast was when we started this thing. It was just, huh? And then we we started. They said, if you get 10000 you might make some money, man. You'll be able to pay a couple bills. Our first show did 61000 <laughs> Then, you know, we hit like over 350000 started averaging out there, and then it grew from there. And no one expected it, especially us. We didn't know how to react to it. I'll tell you how I got into it. I was watching. So I've been on wrestling now for a while. Like like so many people, I was the biggest diehard fan back in the day. I got out of it maybe the last 10 years. But it's the Raw 25th anniversary. I got to watch it. So every time an old wrestler would come on, I'm like, oh, shit, what's so-and-so up to? So there's Brother Love. I'm like, oh, what's Brother Love up to? Oh, Brother Love has a podcast. Like everyone else. I'm like, okay. I'll check it out. I put it on, Bruce Pritchett, something to wrestle, and I'm looking, I'm like, whoa, these shows are two hours and 14 minutes, two hours and 50 minutes. I'm like, I'm not investing this, because I thought it was just Brother Love doing his shtick show. So, and I was going on vacation the next morning. True story, I downloaded the Mega Powers episode. Right. It was only an hour and a half, and obviously, Hogan, Macho Man, this is going to be awesome. I'm like, all right, on the plane, I have a nine-hour flight, I'm listening. 15 minutes into it, I'm like, son of a bitch. I wish I could have downloaded 50 of these. Because the show, it gives you behind the scene. Not that you need to sell it, but can you just tell everyone what the show's about? If the three people who don't know what it is. Well, when we, when we first started, it was, what is the format? I had watched you know, Ric Flair and other people kind of lament over finding guests. And you've got to find and wrangle and 
get the guests on the air and hope that they're going to be there when it's time to go and call them and find them. I, said, I don't want to do that. I, said, I don't want to do a guest story in a show. So we were told your ratings and everything is going to depend on your guests and mm-hmm. who you have. Uh, don't go over an hour. Don't curse. <laughs> so... As you can tell, listening to our show, we don't do guests. We go a little bit longer than an hour, and we cuss like sailors. <laughs> so it's we, we broke all the rules in the podcast world. We did everything they told us not to do, and it became successful. But the idea behind it was to just be different, and that's what it was. Because Conrad came on my show, and... He just made fun of my accent for around 20 minutes, so we didn't even get well, to... yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't get to, like, the whole thing. I know it, and I think it's fascinating. You're out of WWF. We'll get to that later on. How does Conrad approach you? Because I know he did a little podcast with Ric Flair that fizzled out. Right. How does... Because I never knew that Bruce Pritchard was Vince McMahon's right-hand man. You were in the circle. How does Conrad even approach you and say, hey, let's do this show where I just ask every question that every hardcore wrestling fan wants to hear? Well, Conrad and I were uh, doing mortgages. Conrad owns a mortgage company. And if you need help with your mortgage, go to SaveWithBruce.com. It is, it was a way to sell mortgages. It was a way to get that word out there and have First Family Mortgage as our sponsor. Say, if nothing else, we get First Family Mortgage out there and we maybe sell a few mortgages. Started talking and being different. We just started picking topics. We would examine one topic per show and then do a deep dive. And, and Conrad and the research, man, they take it as, as deep as it gets sometimes. And, and a lot of times it's done to piss me off and, uh, you know, because the, the, the research that is used is usually 99% incorrect and incorrectly <laughs> reported by people that don't have any clue what the hell was really going on. Like Meltzer, your yeah. boy. God. <laughs> when he started saying, hey, because everybody you meet, like your buddy Tim Sabian, first of all, where'd Tim take you to dinner the other night? Because he was texting me the whole night, I love you, Mike, I love you. Where'd he take you to dinner? Da Umberto. Da Umberto. Some Italian place. Any good? That's all right. He loves you. That's all right. Well, what's not to love? No, he, <laughs> he wants you to join the Westwood One team. You know how bad he wants you, right? Well, you know, want one hand, and <laughs> you know what to do on the other. We're happy where we are right now, but you never know what the future holds. <laughs> Tim's going to love hearing that. You know that, right? Yeah, well. I when guess. I told him you were coming on, he's in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota with his mom right now. Right. But he's like, uh, Bruce is coming in. All right, tell him I said hi. Listen, if he wants breakfast, whatever Bruce wants, you get him. I said, all right, Tim, whatever he wants. <laughs> uh, Conrad does such a good show, a good job with the research mm-hmm. and going at you because sometimes you seem evasive with some of the questions. You said you have a research team. In the beginning, was it just Conrad watching something and writing down a litany of stuff to talk to you about? A lot of it was going back, and he would use the Wrestling Observer, I guess, website and cut and paste a lot of different things from there to ask me. And as I say, a lot of it was to to ask, was this true? Did this really happen? What's the story here? And, and I would say, what? A lot of times, some of it, the first time I'm ever hearing that version of the story, thinking, who made this up? And then you try to retrace and think, well, it's coming from this point of view. It's the only place it could have come from. 
So it, it, it was a little bit different. Do you enjoy it looking back now? Because I, I know in the time you definitely didn't appreciate it. And I always say I'm a Yankee guy. And Jeter said his only regret in New York was from 96 all the way through. He didn't enjoy the ride. And you probably didn't enjoy the ride while you were in the WWF, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay, did you? Yeah, I did because it was I was a kid from Texas that wanted to be in wrestling since I was four years old. I was working in it when I was 10 years old to see the business and be a part of the evolution of the business all those years. That was, that was kicking the ass. And to be such a big part of it and look at it go from this little tiny office to – television studio a tower and um hot and cold running everything that is bizarre to me and i love the ride and good times and bad times but the ride itself and the run was a lot of fun you were you say on the show a lot and i was just listening to the hogan one the recent hulk hogan episode that you and uh, conrad did you got in at 24 how'd you get in 24 and not just you weren't like an intern 24 you were Helping storylines at 24. How, I actually don't know, even know how that happened. I'd been working in, in Texas, and I'd been working with Bill Watts and the Mid-South Universal Wrestling Federation. The, the time I, I ran the Houston Wrestling Office, and, and out of that I also did on-air interviews and, and would give my input from time to time. But I was just that guy that kind of did everything, especially in Houston. And Eddie Gilbert was a wrestler who was a really good friend of mine. I was frustrated because I had reached that point thinking, I'm 24 years old, I'm in Houston, what the hell am I going to do beyond this? Mm-hmm. You know, What's next? And there, there wasn't a whole lot next. He asked me, said, I'm going to New York, I'm going to meet with Vince. Are you interested in going to New York? I said, yeah, man, give my number, talk to me. <laughs> Eddie put me over like a million bucks. Vince says, have him call me. I called every day for two weeks. No cell phone. So you're calling like the office line. Yeah. And every day he was like, hold on. Vince is busy right now. He says, call back tomorrow at such and such a time. I would call back on the dot. Finally, after a while, he picks up the phone. You're persistent. I like that. (laughs) And we talked. He had no idea. I mean, he had an idea of who I was and what I did, but he had no idea how to use me. Just come on up, see what we do. Uh, Sends me a plane ticket. I flew up to Worcester. We interviewed and talked and hung around each other. Hired me. No job title, no nothing. It was go and sit in the different departments for a week at a time, find out where you're comfortable and see where you can help us, and we'll take it from there. So I, it was sight unseen. I didn't know anybody except for Joel Watts, who came with me. And now you're probably a little nervous. Like you're in these offices, in these like, what am I doing here? Are they going to can me? Is that was your every day getting fired? It wasn't that. It was I was in a completely different world that I'd never been in, very unfamiliar with, and to me, my life depended on it because. I'm sitting there going, I have no friends up here. I'm living in this little apartment in Sanford, <laughs> Connecticut. And what next? What happens next? So I was able to land in television, and I loved producing and writing TV. See, I, didn't, I never realized that the things that I did had titles to them. So I says, you're a producer. I said, no, I just put together the TV. I just like write it out and arrange it and then put it together. 
That's a producer. No, 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 no. no. Paul's producer. I, I just, you know, make it, get it on the air. That's a producer. <laughs> okay. Hey, sounds good to me. And so I, I did that for a long time, and and that's what, where I, I really my passion and my love came from to to stay there and do that. And now you were involved in all these storylines and stuff too. I was I was fortunate enough and that Vince uh, traveled with Vince and Pat a lot when we would do TV and do different things. So when it was time to talk creative, everybody was involved, and I wasn't shy about shooting out ideas all the time. How old at this point is? Because you it's, it's you, Vince. Vince is obviously older. Pat is older. Right. So you're like a young kid. Yes. You're, now you're, you have to be cocky. I think you heard, you, I think you, you don't play well with others. So now you're a cocky 25, 26 year old kid now. Yeah. Just say, no, Hulk Hogan's going to do this. The uh, Hart Foundation's going to do this. So you, did the other wrestlers kind of resent you or were they? Uh... Well, here's the thing. So a lot of them, um, I remember Dusty Rhodes in particular. Dusty had known me since I was 10 years old. I was always a kid. What's up, kid? How you doing, baby? <laughs> Yeah, no, he's a good kid, and now this kid is telling me what to do. You know, Pumpkin Head, remember when you were in Houston, you took my mama to a seat, you know, that, that's what, and I was main event, okay, now, now you want to dream what to do. Uh, that was, that was weird for some people. But then again, then there were the guys that didn't know me that I had to make that first impression on. They thought I was much older. They thought that I had all this experience. And I remember telling Vince, man, I was doing all this. I was running that studio 24 years old. I can't, I mean, I, I seriously can't imagine it. No, and now, how, how was it working for Vince? Because he's historically known to be, he has to win. Everything he does is winning. Was it just fucking nuts working with Vince. I think I heard on Jericho, you said, I listened to you on Jericho, and you said something like, Vince would just call you at 3 a.m., and it would just be the norm. Like, it wouldn't be anything like, hey, and he would call you house line at 3 a.m. Yes. (laughs) What are you doing, pal? (laughs) Ah, sleep's the enemy. You'll sleep when you're dead. Um, It's funny, Vince, I just had this conversation. (laughs) We, yeah, you, you did it. You had to always be ready to go, and no matter what, you had to be ready. I kept a notepad by my bed, um, always ready to write something down and get something done. did not matter what time of day it was. I love the irony of the whole thing. You did the podcast, and I thought, you know, after I heard a few episodes of your podcast, I did more research on you. I'm like, oh, Bruce telling these, not that you're telling secrets, but you giving the the behind-the-scenes stuff is your final nail in the coffin, and yet Vince... Only Vince McMahon would love this idea of like, and he brings you back. Is it crazy that you're back in the WWE now? Yes. Like when I heard a few of the podcasts, and you didn't, you were actually not, you're hard on a few wrestlers, and I'm pretty sure they deserve it because you're very fair with everyone from what I hear. Right. And I'm like, dude, this is the only dude who's really talking, and it's not like just a wrestler who is, you know, has a grudge. You were his right hand man. You were there for all these storylines. I'm like, this is final nail in the coffin. Sorry, Bruce. And he brings you back. Well, when when we started to do it, I think that when it really started to pick up steam is when I said, I don't care. I'm never going back. Um, If cards fall where they may, may, but there was, for me, there wasn't 
that I had a great run. I had a wonderful time there. We did some crazy stuff, but I had nothing to bitch about. They were really good to me. Mm-hmm. And I had a blast doing what I did there. Not going to go bash it just because I'm not there anymore. So that was that part of it. I never understood why people always wanted to, to bash the place that you spent so long. And Pat Patterson and I, in later years, when it was just the two of us in Creative with Vince, the point of view is mine, and there's only two people that can dispute it, and that's Vince and Pat. And Vince is never talking. And Vince ain't talking. You know, Pat doesn't remember, so <laughs> I'm good. So whatever you say is golden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dispute it. Yeah. Want another hot dog? Okay. Well, squirrel. <laughs> any wrestlers pissed off ever any wrestlers reach out to you like dude that's fucked up why'd you say that on the show a couple yeah a couple but it was it's always most of it is when people get things out of context somebody will tell oh they said this about you yeah here, here's the one line meanwhile you spoke 20 minutes on it but they pulled that one line right and so i always encourage them say, did you listen to the show no, I heard this line. Okay. Listen to the show. And then if you're still upset, we'll talk about it after. But I can't I can't defend it when all you've heard is one line. You need to hear how we got into it. You need to hear how we got out of it. And then take it from there because the the knee-jerk reaction, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> you know? like, okay, here I am. But that's not what I said, nor is that what I meant. And if you listen to the whole thing, you'll you'll see a little bit different. And once I do that, it's fine. It's crazy. So I've been doing the show now, just say, for two and a half, three years. And I've had on, like, Dick Vitale, like, huge, huge guests. And I, for some reason, maybe because it brings you back to childhood, I fanboy out with the wrestlers. Like, uh, Jake the Snakes came on, Kamala, Abdullah, B. Brian Blair, like, all these old wrestlers who come on. Mm-hmm. Double J, all these. And I'm like, it just brings you back to that nostalgic time of wrestling buddies and the wrestling figures and now you're 24 years old up to you know doing this living the dream that's a dream job right in the wrestling world with these iconic figures to us looking at wrestling now when every guy's jacked everything's you know it's a different whole do you miss the old hillbilly gym kamala the model do you miss those old silly gimmicks that worked there's a point that I do I do miss the over-the-top characters. I, I loved <laughs> the over-the-top characters. It was something that we did, and I think we did it well. Might have overdone some of them sometimes. <laughs> but that, to me, was the fun part of the business, being able to create something so outlandish and larger than life that those are the characters that people to this day still remember. They still bring up and come back and, and are like telling you, oh, man, I remember this. And you go, yeah, of course you do. You know why? Because that's good shit, and you remember it. And it, wor- it worked. It does work. When, you know, the kind of go, your occupational gimmicks. It wasn't occupational gimmicks. It was an extension of their personality and what made them tick sometimes. Take me to the room. You're in a room. You have Kamala. Before, I don't think he came in. Did he come to the WWE or WWF as Kamala? Yes. Okay, he did? Yeah. Cause how does it come like, hey, you guys are sitting around the room. Here's a wrestler. Here's a pitcher. Let's make him X. How does that process work? I've always wanted to know this. Most of the time, it starts with an interview. It starts with 
tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What are your hobbies? Did you go to school? Did you have any unusual jobs or, or talents? And growing up, what's your favorite thing to do? What do you, and when they start talking, for example, the big boss man started really, as he's going through his life, he got very animated and very passionate about his time as a prison guard in Cobb County, Georgia. And it's like, oh my God, what what better character than a heel prison guard? Because everybody hates authority, of they course. hate authority figures, and, and here's this big, rough, tough guy, and he's a prison guard, and he's a heel, and he beats crap out of you, and, and it was... With the nightstick? Yes. So it was a way to get his personality out tap into something he had already done and seen so he knew it from the prison guard standpoint it wasn't a a gimmick as much as it was turning the volume up on him some of those don't work you know duke the dumpster drossy <laughs> you know he was a garbage man at one point in his career we thought okay we never had a garbage man that'll be cool and they get on board they like it but then it just shits the bed and it just fizzles cares. out yeah but paul bear was he he was a mortician was he? He's a yeah. He was a licensed mortician. Because <laughs> he he didn't. His thing was because you never know how long the wrestling business is going to go. So I've got to have something be prepared for life after wrestling. He kept his mortician's license alive, and that was what he did. That was his trade. That's what he did for a living. So when they heard mortician, we had Undertaker. I was getting that was out. it. Yeah. I was like, here's the guy. I know I'm jumping back and forth because this is just fucking awesome having you on. You're a behind-the-scenes guy helping out with these storylines. Now your brother love on TV. Resentment from a lot of people? I don't know if there was resentment. Um, confusion. Like why is the p producer on the show now with red, with a red face being a preacher? <laughs> was that a – like did, were the guys pissed off about that? Like why are you getting airtime, not us? I think – I don't know if pissed off is the right word, but yeah, confusion of, of like, um, and guys weren't really, didn't really care about airtime as much at the, in those days because there was so much of it for everybody. You had three, five syndicated shows, so you're everywhere. If anything, it was like, God, can I only have to work once this week? Okay. Um, but it was, I think that when it got over, no one knew if it would get over, but I do thank God for Jessica Hahn and Jim Baker and timing-wise because the scandal of Jim Baker, the evangelist, getting caught sleeping with his secretary mm -hmm. happened three weeks prior to – or no, a post my first deal. So I'm on the air three weeks into it. The scandal breaks. I'm made because now people are going, oh, they're doing these – they're copying Jim Baker. I was actually first. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't sleeping with your secretary? <laughs> no. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, give me the best storyline uh, that you proposed and worked and one that you wanted and then turned down. Um, I would have to say the, the best is Undertaker Kane and the, the whole introduction of Kane, this, the whole story of Kane, I think, more than anything. And the one that got away was the culmination and the finish and the ending of Vince and Mr. America Hulk Hogan. What'd you want? I wanted to shave Vince's head. Really? Yeah. 
and he was not having any of that. No, he was a, he was for it. It's just that during that time, that's when Hulk and he had a disagreement about money and everything else, and uh, Vince didn't understand the whole storyline per se. They know it's Hulk. I said, I know they know it's Hulk. That's the gimmick. <laughs> You have to prove it. That's your frustration. You know it's Hulk. Everybody knows it's Hulk. When it comes time to ask and prove it's Hulk, you can't prove it's Hulk. Uh, and that's stupid. I love your impressions. Your impressions during the show, it's oh. rewind, rewind, re-listen to it. <laughs> you do you do Macho Man good. Sure. Yeah, Macho Man, yeah. First name Macho, last name Man. Oh, yeah, look at the boot. Read left to right, right to left. Either one, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know we're jumping around. Are you having fun doing the podcast? Like, yeah. Like, it's a blast, isn't it? Yes, definitely. You just sit there. Now, do you guys, where are you living? I live outside of Houston. And Little he, town Friendswood. Conrad's and in Conrad lives in the hills of Alabama. Because he has to say, Roll Tide. We get yes. it. Now, was it humbling for you out of WWF going to sell mortgage? Not that it's a bad job. Was it kind of humbling that you went from the guy that everyone knew? Now, growing up, I thought these guys, I thought you guys were loaded. You're on TV. <laughs> you're a wrestler. You're, and it's funny when you talk to like B, Brian Blair or you talk to Kamala, they have nothing. Like Jake the Snake, I had to pick him up down the shore. He had, like he needed a ride. And I'm like, no, 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 you're on TV. You have wrestling figures. You're right. rich. So did it ever humble you a little bit? Did it put you back like, oh, it sucks. I was in wrestling. Now I'm out of it. Like, I need a real job? I, that's reality, though. I think everybody needs a real job at some point. You, you have to have something that you can fall back on and something that you can do. But we all think it's going to last forever. We think that, man, we're doing this, and we're going to be doing this until the end of time. And you can't touch us. And then reality sets in, and you realize, oh, God, i got to go do something. <laughs> Nervous that you guys don't have enough topics for the podcast or it's not even possible? No, it's um, not at all. Well, I've got 45 years in the business, so it's... it's. I'm telling you, it blew easy. my mind listening to those shows, and it's intimidating. I'm a big podcast guy. I listen to the radio. If I see a podcast like an hour and 50 minutes, I'm like, dude, forget it. But for some reason, something to wrestle with, if it could say three hours of... My like, good, that means I'm getting everything, and I love the watch-alongs. Oh. Explain explain to everybody what the Watch Along podcasts are because it's great. The, the Watch Alongs is when we take a specific event or match or something and we'll go to the WWE Network and say, okay, folks, here's where we're at. We're at you know, 202. Get ready to hit play. We're going to count you down. And then we, we watch together and we do side commentary on it as to either what was really going on or you know, so-and-so said this. What's the real story? Watch this. This is you know pretty cool coming up. It, it depends, but it's a lot of fun, and and that's those are easy, and they're great. And that has to be a reason Vince brought you back too. You're you're promoting them. You never you promoted. Hey, get the app. Yeah. Let's watch these shows together. Yeah. Did you have a lot of bad blood, and now you're back, and was like, why the fuck is Bruce back? Or are those guys kind of all gone already? I think that. Time heals all wounds, and it's been a lot of time. Uh, I screwed up, and I realized I screwed up. But what did you do that was so wrong? You just said you were difficult to work with. I was. I didn't play well with others. <laughs> I love when you say that. <laughs> I mean, it, it was – there were a lot of perceptions and things like that. It, it was <laughs> – for example, I told the story that airs uh, today on our show about – Sunday Night Heat, and I would always 
there always had to be a rider at Sunday Night Heat when we did it at the World in Manhattan. Well, I would always try and position it to where when Sunday Night was Heat, Sunday Night Heat was live on the road. Well, that would be my, my week because I would already be on the road. Okay, and I didn't have to go into New York and I didn't have to go to the <laughs> restaurant. So I would, being senior rider, I I could do that. I like, was like, oh, he's always there. He doesn't doesn't do shit, man. He's like. Goes to TV when we're all when we're all there. He never has to go to the restaurant. You're right. You be around here as many years as I have, okay? And then you'll get perks. <laughs> and I figured out we, because when again being there a while and you accumulate vacation time, I would use my vacation time wisely, where I would take a Monday and a Tuesday, and then. Wednesday, I would be back at work, but Wednesday was a travel day for everybody else. So you listen, that's strategically doing it. So you give yourself a three-day swing yes. right there. Yeah. Yeah. And people were like, well, that's not fair because we're nobody's working on Wednesday. We're traveling. I said, but I was available. <laughs> you were if the if the WWE WF needed you, Bruce Pritchard would have been there. Yes, you're damn right. So, but that but that's and, like comes with time on the job. So yeah, and and so I worked it to, especially around the holidays at the end of the year, I got the speech earlier on. You have to use your vacation time, so use it all. You, we're not going to credit you. Use your you need your vacation time. Like, okay, you know, yes, ma'am, I'll do it. So I schedule it. It was approved. Okay. And then I do it, and it's like, well, Bruce is taking off around the holidays. How come Bruce isn't having to be here for the Christmas show or the Thanksgiving show or the New Year show? Because I was told to get my vacation in, and I'm a good company guy. And sometimes I would I would get it where it was two weeks in a row, and then I would take that Wednesday. <laughs> I would I would say, okay, I'm taking Monday, Tuesday, but I'll come in and work on Wednesday. <laughs> West Coast shoot, these guys are in, in a plane for nine hours. and I'm, I'm available. <laughs> I'm good, guys. Anybody want to work? I'm good. I'm here. Um, bounce something off of me. So that, that was the that was the rap because I think I was just smarter than everybody else and being able to – I got away with it because I was a senior guy. But Vince wasn't pissing you for that, was he? Vince figured – it's funny. Vince figured it out in 2008. He says, hey, pal, uh, this vacation thing and multiples and you know we need you there during this time I said, sorry i was told to take my vacation <laughs> <laughs> sorry i held it till december that's my that's my bad vince you know, yeah I was, you know i i gotta get this done or you can pay me I'll take your vacation <laughs> just take it some other time okay so. i love this story i think you told it on opie's show the uh, how how do you get how did you get fired the first time from Vince? Oh man, <laughs> it was there was an old story of Ernie Ladd, big seven foot wrestler, uh, played football, Grambling, played for the Giants and Oilers and a lot of different people. Ernie Ladd is telling Bill Watts about why Vince McMahon is a genius, and he says, "Look at Nikolai Volkov, look at I and Sheik, they're the real thing. That's why Vince is a genius. He promotes a real thing. They real you can't see through them. The man is a genius. Vince McMahon is a genius. He fired my ass. He's a genius, and I'm laughing my ass off. I said, Vince McMahon is a genius. He fired your ass. So I would always do that for Vince. The man is a genius. He fired my ass. I walk into a room. I'm wearing pink shorts, flip flops, and you know, big old bodybuilder 
shirt to hide all my fat. And <laughs> Vince looks at me and says, Brucey, the immortal words of Ernie Ladd. <laughs> I go, the man is a genius. My ass is fired. Thank you for everything, pal. That was it. And what was the reason for the firing? He I, had, love that, I love that you fired yourself, by the way. That's just uh, fucking awesome. Uh, there, he had hired a guy to be an a executive producer. Every time that things would kind of go astray, it was due to somebody else being in between Vince and I. and uh, I didn't know how to handle it. I was young, immature, and like I said, didn't play well with others. So when other people would come in, I instead of working with them, I, I could have worked with them and made it work. That would have been easy. Mm -hmm. And instead, sometimes I would choose to be difficult. Oh, this isn't the way you do it. You do it my way. That didn't work. <laughs> I lost that one. <laughs> so, you know, go away and grow up a little bit and come back and screw up again. So, and get fired again. get fired again, yeah. So it all works. By Stephanie. Then, yeah. And all, all Shane has to do is fire you, and then you got the, the trifecta. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Linda can come back and fire me. and just. I'm going to keep you for a few more minutes. I'll tell you one thing that I never realized until listening to your show. The first, I've been to a bunch of wrestling, and I remember my dad took me to WrestleMania four in Atlantic City. And up until recently, I'm like, that was the greatest wrestling event of all time. There was a tournament. There was this. You goddamn son of a bitches broke it down. I'm like, it wasn't good. <laughs> And I, to the, up until recently, you know, when you guys sit around, you have a few drinks, and wrestling just always comes up. Yep. A nostalgic wrestling talk with, my favorite was Rick Rude, I was this guy. And WrestleMania 4, I'm like the greatest wrestling thing yeah. ever. And I watched, I'm like, oh, maybe because I'm older, it wasn't that good. And then I hear you and Conrad break it down, I'm like, okay, it sucked. But the tournament aspect was great, I'm like, but that really sucked. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. Doesn't hold up well over time. It doesn't, and some of them do. Yeah. Some do. That one didn't. Do you know during the events you're watching, you're like, oh, this isn't that great? Or for me, I was so high on being at my first WrestleMania that I thought everything about it was great because okay. it was so grandiose and it was that was a historic moment for me. That was the first one you were at. That was the first oh, I one actually I didn't know at. that. Yeah, really. Yeah, because that was a good because five was I thought five was good the mega powers explode yeah. six Hogan warrior which you guys just talked about on right. something to wrestle it went like really really high after that yeah I love the fact that you talked about you wanted to turn Hogan heel you thought it would have been mm -hmm. something different what obviously NWL wasn't in your mind what no. aspect of healness did you want not to be red in the red yellow anymore what uh, Hogan heel aspect did you want I just want a Hulk to, to turn on the audience because the audience had already turned on him a little bit. There was a there was a faction in the audience, and it was kind of a groundswell of people that were turning on Hogan. They were tired of the they were tired of the red and yellow. They were tired of the red, white, and blue. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and and do what's right. Be me, brother. What you gonna do? Um, just change. Don't change. You didn't have to change anything he did in the ring. He just had to tweak that personality a little bit and let them know, hey, you turned your back on me. Because they were. They were starting to do that. It was the fans growing up, because I, I never changed on them. Mm -hmm. But all my buddies were like a year or two older than me, like, dude, this shit's corny. Yeah. Why am I going to say my prayers, eat my vitamins? I don't, that's corny shit. I don't want to go in the bathroom and press the Hulk Hogan toothbrush. Yeah. Like this. So people were getting tired, and it was like the 18 to 20, 
30, like, dude, this shit's corny now. Yes. The kids loved it. The parents loved it. So what would you just be a, more of a bad guy, like, screw you guys? Yeah, it's just more of an attitude and more of, more of a, a, a real character. And somebody, and I think that in time, you didn't even have to change that character to bring him back. All you had to do was change his opponent. And all of a sudden, they've got their old Hulk back because he's beating up a, a worse guy. <laughs> so just the guy, the people that are over the most in, in whatever role they're in, whether it's a healer or baby face, when they turn, they will be just as hot based on their popularity of where they were before. Any memorabilia you keep throughout the days from the beginning of it? I have to ask that all the time. No, not really. Nothing really. No, I have Maurice, Maurice Tillet's death mask uh, in my office. I've got Paul Bosch's 50th anniversary trophy, which is a big seven-foot trophy. Um, other than that, not really. Looking back now, would you have taken anything? Or you you were you a part of it, right? So yeah, that's the thing. I never I never thought of it in the in the moment. You don't think of those things. And Lawrence Taylor gave me his boots after after that, and I, I actually gave those to Conrad because I'm, I was thinking, what do I want with these? I don't care. Yeah, I'm not. Even... I didn't even get him to sign them or anything, but it was Lawrence was like, "Hey, man, I just want to give you these." Why? Why did he want to give them to me? Yeah, just because I was one of those guys along with Pat Patterson for like every workout, and I helped LT a lot. I helped him a lot with his promos and just getting through everything, and kind of walked him and held his hand through that entire promotion. LT was great. He was awesome. Yeah, I love when you guys brought in like the special guests and stuff, the Tysons and him. Yeah. That was awesome. I love that stuff. Exactly. Before we wrap up, I know you told Onofi. Can you just tell the Donald Trump story with Vince in the limo? Vince in the limo. Oh, you have to. Didn't he actually call up to see if Vince was okay? Oh God. <laughs> well, after yeah, the Vince gets in the limousine. The limousine explodes, and Donald called the office to make sure Vince was okay. To check on his buddy Vince. Yes. <laughs> Which I love that. You know, people were concerned. My God. <laughs> of course, everyone was concerned. Vince just died. Yeah. I read my mom. I'll tell you this, Bruce. My mom. I used to watch it obviously religiously. And my mom's like, it was my mom, it was me, my dad, and my brother. We'd watch it, and my brother loved the warrior. I loved Hogan. My mom would be like, are you guys kidding? Look at this. I'm like, mom, please. He's really hurt. Right. The, the snake just bit Macho's arm. Yeah. It's crazy how, I guess because there's no internet, you couldn't like zoom in and be like, oh, it's fake. And there was no conspiracy guys. Everything worked oh, back then. Of course it did. I miss those days. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's, it's a fake's a bad word. Because I always like to, when people go, ah, all that crap's fake. No, it's it's real. Every bit of it, it is choreographed. Yes, we know who's going to win. I said, but the bumps, everything in it, it hurts. And it's done by the greatest athletes in the world to make it look how it looks sometimes. Some are better than others. And that's where people go, ah, it's fake because he really didn't hit him. If I was to hit a guy that hard, <laughs> he'd be knocked out. I was like, oh, yeah. But if you were to hit a guy that hard in a real fight and that guy had – uh, an iron jaw, he would just get up and kick your ass and not sell anything. This is entertainment, <laughs> folks. We're here to entertain you. This is a movie. This is a television show. These people are playing a part, and they are here to make it larger than life and entertain you and hopefully take you for a ride. I was so stoked that you came on. I know he's supposed to do Opie's show, and once— oh, He's a big shot, man. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, Opie, oh, can't, Opie can't be bothered Yeah, he's me. too much of a diva. I guess he, the 20 minutes he had you on in Philly, which everyone fucking loved more than life, he can't come down from the beach. But I got to— you get to I mean, have, I came—I 
I don't even know. I don't even want to tell you how far away I'm staying from here. It's ridiculous. And I had to, I had to trek, get up at the crack of dawn this morning so that I could make it here in time because of the, the extremely outrageous commute. And... But yet, Opie can't come in from the beach. And I appreciate you. Yeah, he is laying at the beach. I appreciate you making that long commute. That does suck. And when you walked in here and said, I need a car, I'm like, fuck, we should have sent him a car. Yes. I feel bad we didn't send you a car to make yes. a U-turn on the block. Right. Probably would have got pulled over. Would have made your commute two minutes longer. Oh, I, I, I would have been hot. <laughs> hey, one question about, um, like, storylines. People now these days, me included, we need instant gratification. We need... Hit enter. We don't want to wait two seconds for a show to load load up on Netflix or anything. The seven, eight, nine month storylines that you would just build up and build up would it work now? I think it still would. I, I definitely think it would. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not eight months like we used to or mm-hmm. things like that. But yes, I do. I believe that if people were truly invested in a long term story that you would get after the, let's call it six-week mark, I think people would, would start, oh, i got to pay attention. This guy's on the screen or this girl's on the screen. i got to pay attention now because I know there's going to be another piece of this puzzle. I know it's going to be paid off somewhere. Maybe they're going to take it to WrestleMania. No, no, they're going to blow it off at Royal Rumble. Oh, there's a swerve. There's something else. I think it would work. I just think that a lot of times it's, that instant gratification. It started, started in uh, the first hour, finished it in the third. <laughs> Remember, some of those storylines would go on for right. months and months. Yeah. And the ultimate warrior in the snake pit, these month-long things. It finally, the culmination, boom, it's WrestleMania. And oh, that's what happens, the final piece. And you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I missed that. Yes, because you got, you got invested in the storyline. You wanted to see the outcome. Fully invested. Yes. I access to every person on my show. You and I are out at a bar. You want to impress everyone in the bar. Who's the coolest dude in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you back within an hour? Uh, probably Vince. That's one of the hardest ones to ever beat. Okay, you win. And just tell everybody about StarCast. Oh, you... well, I, I, did it. I did it to uh, old Kenny Banya the other day. And... Oh, Banya was just here uh, last week. Okay, well, he, we, we did the exact same thing. And... It was, uh, his was Jerry Seinfeld, okay? So he pulls out Jerry Seinfeld. I go, oh, yeah? I got Vince. Let's see who answers us back first. And who won? Oh, he wouldn't do it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. When did you uh, do, do that with him? Because he was on my show. Yeah, uh, podcast. The oh, podcast down in Philly. Philly. Yes. It's funny. So I met him in Philly. I met you and him in Philly. And I'm like, dude, if you're ever in New York, he's like, I'll be there next week. I'm throwing out the first pitch at the Brooklyn Cyclones game. Kenny Banya Bobble, and I'm a Seinfeld fanatic. He came up here, did like an hour with me. He's yeah. doing a podcast, that's yes. gold. He he's great, and you fanboyed out with him too, didn't you? Oh yeah, big time. We had a blast. We, he, we, he's a great, he's a big sports guy too. Yeah, he's absolutely wonderful. So it's uh, we had we had a good time, but it was we did the thing. We were up. Okay, <laughs> okay, you got that one. What's number two? Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm really cool. There. And went through the whole thing. I go Hulk Hogan. I don't think I'd beat that. <laughs> you, you can't beat Hulk and Vince. You yeah. can't beat – as a dude, you can't beat Hulk and Vince. Yeah, so it's, it's craziness. And just tell everybody about StarCast Star, in Chicago. Hey, man, StarCast in Chicago is going to be the bomb because it, it's right before All In, and they're going to have all, every independent star that you can possibly think of. Uh, Cody 
and the Young Bucks have, have put together a great show. I'm not going to be at uh, All In, but I'm going to be at StarCast. They're going to roast me, which is bullshit. <laughs> First, I thought I was going to get some roast. Somebody's going to cook big pot roast. I'm like, woohoo, all right, y'all can come on out and get some roast. I find out these people are going to make fun of me. I don't think that's fair. That's so, mean-spirited. It is. It's just mean-spirited. But we have very unique uh, meet and greets and just different experiences that are going to be one of a kind, and the only way to experience is by being there. And it is going to be a blast because I just love seeing all the guys in one place and a bunch of old-timers, like a bunch of old farts just sitting around and lying to each other with their stories. It's not – it's the most interactive, um, I guess, convention I've ever seen because there is yeah. – it's not like, hey, here's a quick picture. What's your name? Go ahead, but have a good day. Yeah, dude, you're hanging out with these people and everything. It seems like it's going to be really, really special. I think it will be. I think it's going to be great, and I think it's going to be something people are going to talk about for a long time because it will be the first time that they can actually participate in a lot of these fan interactions. So it's going to be great. Can Conrad finally sleep after this? The man hasn't slept in months. Sleeps the enemy. All right, Vince. Yeah. Bruce, when I mean it's a pleasure for me, I'm going to ask you one question. I don't, you said one question I know. the last 18 you know questions. What's great? I want somebody to roll this back I know, you and know what's, count how many. Okay, Bruce, this is it. Because I feel bad I have you on so long. One more question. Because I forget even the mics are on. But I, uh, so I, like I said, I have no memorabilia in my house. I have two seats from Yankee Stadium. That's my memorabilia. I have like a lot of Kentucky basketball stuff, which I don't want people to give to me. I'm a huge Kentucky fan. But I had Kenny Banya sign his bobblehead for me, nice. which was great. So I have a... In my parents' garage on the shore, I have every wrestling figure ever in packages. I'm going to send you the uh, Brother Love one. Would you sign it for me? Uh, that's 30 bucks. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. No, 30 bucks For you, 35 <laughs> And I'll pay for shipping. Yeah. Oh, please. Comes to my house without a return thing. And first of all, <laughs> folks, don't send things to my house. You'll never get them back. Bruce Pritchett, thank you so much, my friend. You <laughs> son of a bitch. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.